right, my next guest. She is a USA Today award-winning author. She is none other than Beverly Jenkins. Beverly is the author of historical and contemporary romance novels with a focus on 19th century African-American life. She's an NAACP Image Award nominee and the author of, get this, 35 books. Uh, Beverly is accredited with diversifying the genre of romance novels, uh, including her award-winning book, Indigo. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, how are you? I am wonderful. So of course, I, I got to talk to you about a lot of things, but let's start with Dr. King and then I got to get to Bridgerton. So we'll start That's with good. Oh, you know, what does it mean for you, Beverly? I know you live in Detroit. Uh, I know you've had a lot of different careers, but uh, you know, in the last 20 years or so, you have become this award-winning uh, author writer in this really kind of obscure genre that you don't see black folks in, uh, you know, frequently or if at all. So when you think about Dr. King, you know, what words or what, which part of his legacy resonates with you the most? I think um, the education, uh, educating our people about our history, because if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. I call what I do edutainment, entertainment and education. I think, because, you know, I, I'm of an age where I was, in my teens when he was assassinated. So watching the country in many ways try to fulfill that dream and in many ways smack that dream down. So, you know, it's, it's a complicated kind of thing, but um, that we're celebrating him today still, what, 50 years later is an amazing thing. And I think he would be proud. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think, Beverly, having been, you know, you were a teenager back in the, you know, the 60s when, when King was assassinated, what do you think he would have thought about what we witnessed on January 6th, you know, that insurrection that happened <clears throat> in the nation's capital? I think, you know, he would have not been surprised. Mm. I doubt he would have been surprised. Uh, he always talked about... Um, how this country is on one hand, one thing, and on the other hand, the other thing. Um, I look at the conservatives trying to whitewash his memory. And um, his daughter on Twitter uh, yesterday posted a, a great tweet and saying, you have to remember, he was probably the most hated man in America at that time. Yeah. I mean, more hate than than, than the haters had for Barack. And, and you have these people twisting his words in order to serve their own agenda. And it's just like, no, no. Um, I think he would have been appalled at what took place last week. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was just having that conversation in a text uh, uh, messaging with a good friend of mine. We, we do a lot of political texting back and forth. And we were talking about the, the hypocrites, the Republicans, many of them conservatives who have been supportive of that, you know, I, I won't say of the violence that we saw, but they've been supportive of Donald Trump. They've been supportive of, of his rhetoric, his inflammatory rhetoric. And they're tweeting all of these Dr. King quotes uh, and the hypocrisy is just nauseating. And I'm so glad you are reminding us that Dr. King was not some beloved figure. What he was talking about in the 50s and 60s was considered incredibly radical. 
Yeah. Incredibly um, radical. And not just for, you know, everyday folks, but, you know, Birmingham jail. I mean, he's talking to the ministers. Yeah. You know, the same quote unquote Christians that we're dealing with now yeah. were the same Christians he was dealing with, you know, in 1966-67. So, you know, people have it real twisted. And, you know, since everything is so documented, I mean, all you have to do is pull his speeches to get the truth. Um, but, you know, we have these alternate facts. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why folks like you, that's why I, I love you and want to have you on today is because your books, you're delving into some of that black history. Yeah. You said in an informational way, in an entertainment way, but you're delving into parts of black history that aren't often told uh, in novels. Uh, what inspired you to, you know, to, to hone in on that part of our history? I grew up with black history in my home. Um, my mom was born in 28 in Detroit and she was black before it was fashionable. So I grew up with a lot of African-American history in my home. And when the time came for me to write my novel, it didn't make sense for me to place a novel in one of the historic black towns that were founded in Kansas after the great exodus of 1879, which a lot of people don't know about. It didn't make sense to put these two black characters against a majority white black background, knowing that we have a history that's rich and deep and and, and, and very, very well rooted. Um, so I painted my story against that history. I like to put my stories where black people walked. So I don't have to make stuff up. So is that, when you're talking about your first novel, is that Night Song? That's Night Song, very first novel, uh, published in 1994, still in print, which is an amazing thing. Yes. Um, so I love what I do, I love what I do. So, so let's talk about you as a romance novelist that's also a historian or historic novelist. So when you think of romance novelists, obviously you're not thinking about black women in particular, why romance novels for you? Well, um, it's the first thing that's sold, first of all. And right now, there are tons of African-American women writing romance. Um, they are writing contemporary, they are writing uh, historical. Um, we even have uh, Vanessa Riley, who has written her, um, her stories against the background that Bridgerton is, is you know, taking over the world right now. Um, and it's all documented for her. So we are entertaining and we are educating. Um, there's a couple of websites. One of the most popular is Women of Color and Romance. <clears throat> so we're not as unseen to the readers as we may be to the general public. Mm. Uh, but these women are writing incredible stories. And it would be nice if someone would put these on the screen because black love matters also. No, absolutely. And and you're you're giving credit to Vanessa uh, and other African American women, you know, who are writing, but but you're accredited, Beverly, as being the pioneer, as we paving the way for a lot of these writers that, that we see who are gaining success today. So what, what was it like back in the 90s when there weren't all of these women uh, writing in this genre? Well, you know, I stand on the shoulders of women like Sandra Kitt and Elsie Washington who, were, who opened the door for me. Um, I don't want people to think that, 
you know, oh, Bev was, Bev was Ed and Bev, you know, I, I came through a door that, that they opened. Uh, Vivian Stevens was an African-American big time editor back in the early nineties, um, basically opened the door because she, she published uh, Sandra and Elsie and, and a few other women. But for me doing historicals, it was lonely. You know, I was out there by myself for a long time. Um, now I have a few more women who are writing historicals, which is wonderful because I wanted to read somebody else's work. I wanted to read somebody else who had done the history. And so now we have Vanessa and we have Alyssa Cole and we have uh, Piper Hughley who, who writes Christian African-American historical romance. Wow, um, okay. So, so the, the field is, is growing um, and I think it's a wonderful thing because we're at a time now where we're getting to tell all the stories. Mm -hmm. um, everything is not about our pain. We know we have pain. We live with that pain every day, but we wanna see stories that cover everything. We have a huge influx of young black women who are writing uh, fantasy and science fiction. You know, I wanna see a black woman riding a dragon. Um, you know, I wanna see, you know, time travel. I want, so it's a great time to be an African-American creator, but it's also an awful time to be a black person in dealing with all of the, the craziness and the awfulness and the hate that we're getting. So you try and balance that. Yeah, and Beverly, I can imagine when you went to publishers in the 90s to say just what you said, that we got enough out there about black pain. I want to, you know, write about black romance and, and some happier stories. What was the response of publishers who, because in, in my mind, you know, it, at one point we felt like not another slave movie, please. You know, <laughs> we've seen Kunta Kente, we get it. We were slaves. Can we see yeah. ourselves in some other images? So I have to imagine that you had publishers who were like, oh, this is okay, but where's the slave? You know, and, and you know, and that was part of it. Um, I, I I was picked up by Vivian Stevens, the, the woman I would told you about who was the, the editor. She had gotten out of uh, publishing and she had a small ed, uh, agency, literary, literacy agency, literary agency. So I got tons of rejections. I mean, I got enough rejections to paper my house, your house, you know, your auntie's house. And they all said, great writing, but great writing, but, and that but had to do with what you're saying. Anytime in those days, this was 1993, was when it first got published, first got bought. Any book that was set in 19th century had to do with slavery as far as publishing was concerned. Mm -hmm. So here I come with the story of this Buffalo soldier, an Overland educated school teacher in an all black town on the plains of Kansas in 1870 something. And they're like, we don't have a box for this. Right. You know, so that butt had to do with, they love the story, but they didn't know what to do with it. So luckily for me, uh, I was in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity and the right talent for Ellen Edwards, who was the executive editor at Avon Books, which back then was the largest um, publisher of romance. Mm -hmm. And she bought the book. Um, she took a chance, like anybody would take a chance on a first-time writer. 
And uh, now I think I have 41 books and eight novellas later in 26 years. So um, I'm I said, okay. Because in your intro, I said 35 books. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're fine. <laughs> Sometimes I can't keep up with it either. I, I let the readers, they, you know, they have all the answers. They'll say, no, Miss Bev, it's 41, so. Well, you know, so from Night Song, Beverly, you, you, you've written these series, like Blessings. Talk to us about that series. I found that very interesting. You have this whole series of books uh, you know, in, in this particular niche. Okay, I've, I've gone from writing historical romance where I've done Black Pirates and the Black and Brown Outlaws of Indian Territory and Harry Tubman's Spy Group. And now I'm doing that same small town that Night Song was set in as a women's fiction. Mm -hmm. And it deals with a woman who got a fantastic divorce settlement. She caught her husband playing around. And rather than go, oh, woe is me, she took him to divorce court, got all his money. All right. And she bought a historic town in Kansas. She used to be a social worker. So she wanted to take at-risk kids, take them out of their foster homes and, and, and awful situations and have them raised old school because there's nothing left in the town but senior citizens and have them raised old school. So we're, I'm doing, I'm working on book 11 right now. Um, it's about found families. It's about blessings. It's about forgiveness. Um, the demographics are all over the place. I've got people of all colors and ages and genders reading these books and sending me emails with pictures of their adopted kids. Um, it's been a blessing. It's called the Blessing Series. The first book is called Bring on the Blessings. So, but I'm still doing the historicals too. So I'm doing one book for Blessing Series and one historical a year. All right, Beverly. So we got to talk about Bridgerton. Like you said, <laughs> everywhere, Shonda Rhimes, you know, first project with Netflix. And, you know, so far it, it's gotten uh, rave reviews, the, the casting, everybody's, you know, ranting and raving about, you know, Simon, the Duke, who's, you know, so hot. But, but I, one of the other parts of this series that's getting a lot of attention is the diversity. Yeah. You know, it's Queen Charlotte, it, it's yeah. the Duke, uh, you know, it's Simon. It, it's the fact that African-Americans are being portrayed in the 19th century, you know, amongst royalty. Yeah. How important do you think it, it is that, that Shonda Rhimes, you know, use the, the, this, you know, this series? Because in the book, I'm, these people weren't black in the book. No, they weren't. So, I have not seen the series. I've been, I mean, I'm on deadline. I've just been underground trying to, you know, trying to get this blessings book done. But there's been a lot of talk about, like you said, the diverse cast. Um, if we go back and look at the history, uh, we do find that Queen Charlotte has got black blood running through her veins. Um, but the, the discourse among a lot of the black women and the black historians are, are, are focused on, on what, you know, what you're saying. Um, these people were not black in the book. Uh, romance has been doing dukes, 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 dukes for, you know, the last like 10 years and there were only like 28 dukes, you know, in, in the country. Um, none of them, you know, were hot and, you know, hunks and, and all of that. Um, that's the fantasy of the story though, but that's what literature does. But, you know, I, I'm, you know, we're hoping that this will open the doors for other romances. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of messed up that black women have to wait for a white series before people look at our stuff. Um, we've got some incredible stories out here. And I hope that this conversation that I'm having with you will fuel few, uh, you know, a, a bunch of people to check out the, the African-American women who are writing um, uh, romance because like I said, black love matters. Um, but we'll see what Bridgerton does. I mean, I guess they're getting ready to shoot the, the second season. And uh, yes, Mr. Simon is pretty hot. Um, <laughs> no denying that. But there's a lot of levels to what's going on. Um, and if you, you know, Google is your friend. So, you know, people want to go out there and see all of the discourse that's going on with that. I mean, we don't have enough time right here. Yeah, no, and, and I hear you. And I, I hear, you know, what you're saying. And I hear, you know, you're being incredibly politically correct uh, <laughs> in what you're saying. I get that because as Black women, we learn to do that, right? We learn to code switch. We learn we to do. talk other so i'm hearing everything you are saying good (laughs) (laughs) and and i've seen it like you said it's on google it's not a secret it's it's being talked about so as much as the series is being lauded and and you know given so many accolades there's also conversations about you know could this story could this be a black writer could this be some of those stories uh, that have been told by black women uh, and men too yeah. And hopefully, we are hopeful. And I saw you did an interview with Shonda Land, uh, her yeah. online uh, portal, uh, website. I was encouraged to see that because that says you're on the radar screen. With You know, she, they have been doing, they've got a great um, crew of young women who are doing, who are assistants, who are editorial assistants, who have been just so supportive of African-American romance. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and when it comes down to it, it's Shonda's money. I mean, she can she can do what she wants to do with her cash. So um, I'm not mad at her. No, I I, like I said, I I hope that, you know, somebody uh, Sony has optioned one of my historicals. Um, Roker has optioned the blessing series. Wonderful. Um, But, you know, options and, and makings are two different things. Yeah, I, so I we keep our fingers crossed. Right, that means you are on the radar uh, mm-hmm. of these uh, major uh, studios. Right. Yeah. And the fact that this Shonda's success, hopefully her success with that series, you know, uh, we know filmmakers like to follow successes. Exactly. So that success exactly. says there's a lot of room out there, right? That's Netflix. Yeah. There's Amazon. There's Hulu. There's HBO. I mean, there, there are tons of places for content, which is the beauty of where we are today. Yeah, and we have the content for them. All they have to do is, you know, pick up a phone. We're answering the phone, Hollywood. Um, You know, (laughs) give us a call. But we did do um, Iris Bowling, who is a great uh, African-American suspense writer, romance suspense writer. Mm -hmm. You know, I got really tired of waiting for our projects to be green-lighted. And so, like Ava, she taught herself movie making. Right. And so she has done a couple of her books, but she also did one of my romantic suspense, um, Deadly Sexy. And it's on, on um, Amazon Prime. Um, we did it as a crowdsourcing. You know, we, we put it together. She did, it, she did a great job, but she produced it with 
you know, safety pins and buttons and, right, and shoestrings, right. you know. Sometimes we have to do things. Yeah, exactly. Ingenuity. So it, 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 yeah, so we do have one, I do have one little, you know, one little movie that's out there, but, you know, waiting on others. Well, I, I love it. And, and don't be shy about it. You know, we learned that with Stacey Abrams during this last political cycle when, you know, people ask her, you know, are you being too forward about wanting to be the vice president? She says, there's nothing forward about stating, you know, somebody's intentions and desires that, you know, men do it all the time. So right. don't hold back on it. Yeah, you, your, your books are fantastic. You've been out there for, you know, two decades. You've written 41 books. Hell yeah, somebody call you and let's see your books on, on the screen, just like we see, you know, tons of folks who get their big breaks. So right. don't hold back on it. I, I just want to ask you before I let you go about this new book. You got a new book coming out, uh, yeah. Wild Rain. Yeah. Bookshelves, uh, February 9th. Yeah. She was a side character in one of the other books. Uh, she's a lady rancher. She lives in Wyoming. Um, not many people know that Black people were everywhere, even in Wyoming, owning ranches. Not just the South. That's one. Yeah, not just the South. So, you know, she's, she's a hard lady. Uh, she's had a really rough life. And uh, she's not looking for love, you know. She's not looking for love at all. Um, and the guy is a brother who comes to um, interview her spring's brother, who was a doctor in Wyoming, not too far from where she lives. And he's just fascinated by her, you know. He says, you know, I'm from D.C. I don't know any women who who wear a, a, a gun belt or, you know, deal with horses and and, you know, and she is all barbed wire and hard edges. And he is just the sweetest guy. Um, every time we see him, he's got a book in his hand. I told the experiences of the, the black men in the Union Navy through him, which yeah. we don't see a lot of. So um, I like to have my characters wear the history. Yeah. So yeah, so it'll be out February 9th. Uh, help a sister pay a bill, buy a book. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and promote a book. No, I, I, I'm excited about it just because I love that juxtaposition. So she's the hard ass and he is the hard ass, still, you know, DC. Uh, so I, I love the, you know, yeah, the contrast yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they balance each other very well. And she's like, no, you know, I'm not doing this. I'm not falling in love. I don't need it. I got my horses. I have my land. I don't need you. But in the end, I was like, like every good romance novel, there is love. There is love. There's an H-E-A, happily ever after, or happily for now. So, yeah. Okay. Well, I love it. Thank you so much, Beverly. I, I just, I love your spirit. I, I love what you have done. I love that you've been a pioneer. You've paved the way. And along the way, you, you recognize those other women that are out there. That's so important that, you know, we reach back, we pull up, and then we recognize uh, those who are also uh, creating new opportunities. And that's what celebrating Dr. King is for me. You know, it, it's, it's focusing on his legacy, but his legacy, you know, you are his legacy. I am his legacy. The women who are out here doing things, we are all, you know, Dr. King's legacy. So good luck to you on your latest book, Wild Rain. Uh, good luck to you. Those calls from Hollywood, I'm sure they are coming. We're going to do our part to make sure folks know uh, about your books and the great work that you are doing. And a big shout out to Detroit. I have one of my favorite aunts who watches the show uh, religiously is from Detroit. So I'm sure she's excited 
to see you on today. Oh, thank you so all much. All things Detroit. Oh, yeah. Hey, Detroit versus everybody. Thank <laughs> you so <All> much. Right. <laughs> Good luck, Beverly. Take care. You take care, too. Thank you for having me. Okay. Thanks for joining me for this episode of The Special Report. Please take a moment to share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. I always want to hear your thoughts. You can share your comments with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following at Ariva Martin. Thanks and be safe out there.